Episode 66 is filled with a variety of topics. With the return of my YAS of the week, I talk about punk rock band NoFX and Fat Mike, their lead vocalist who is public about his cross-dressing. I also revisit Halloween, and despite COVID, is still my favorite holiday. And finally, Sierra gives you a little LGBTQ history that you may not know of in this week's Sierra Says. It's another fun episode here in the Cross the Yas podcast. So, you excited for it? Yas! Yas, yas, yas. Yas, 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 yas. Cross Yes Podcast, which is El Miraso. Yas! Yas! Yas, 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 yas. Yas, yas, yas. Welcome to the Cross Yas Podcast. The podcast that still says yas to everything related to cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender. I'm your host, Giselle Mirasol, cross-dresser, trans advocate, and nurse, and not just the fantasy sexy nurse you all see on Halloween, I'm actually a real-life nurse. If you're looking for behind-the-scenes stuff, check out the website www.crossyaspodcast.com, or if you want more bonus content, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash crossyas. That's spelled patreon.com backslash C-R-O-S-S-Y-A-A-S. And finally, if you've got a story you want to share, because it's cross-dressing, sexuality, or gender-related, or you got something so juicy that you want to share and you're wondering, gosh, I wonder if I can tell someone. Well, you know me, and you know I love to pry. So the answer to your question is aloud. Frickin' yes! Talk to me. Email me, Giselle, at crossyaspodcast.com. Tweet me at CrossYas on Twitter or DM me on Instagram at CrossYasPodcast. I can't wait to hear from you. Happy October, everyone. Hope everyone is enjoying their October because, you know, I hear Halloween is sort of canceled this year. Cancel? Yeah, I know, but that's what happens during a pandemic. There's no real trick-or-treating or going door-to-door asking for stuff and no parties to dress up for. But that's okay, because Halloween is still something that happens every year and every October 31st. And I'll talk about this more and revisit Halloween right after my... Yes! Of the week! Yes, that's right. The return of the yas of the week. If you're a fan of the podcast, you know I used to do these way more often, but work and other things have just gotten in the way, so I haven't had the time to do a yas of the week in a while. This one's a bit different, though, because actually this didn't even happen this week. Um, Actually, it happened a couple weeks ago, because I was made light of it. A lovely fan of the podcast, let's call her Noelle, reached out to the podcast on our email, Giselle at CrossYasPodcast.com, about a punk rock band from Los Angeles by the name of NoFX. And I'll be honest and say that I've only heard of NoFX when my older cousin sent me a bunch of old MP3s that he downloaded off Napster. I know I'm dating myself here, but yes, Napster was a way you downloaded free songs on the internet illegally. For all you young people out there, the internet wasn't always so readily available with songs. And there was no Spotify or Amazon Music or Apple Music or, or whatever. It's just so you could hear your favorite songs on demand. I'm getting too old. Anyways, I'm getting off topic. But NoFX was one of the bands that my cousin downloaded their entire albums. And there was a couple of songs on there that I remember listening to. But I was, I don't know, this was like, what, almost 18 or 20 years ago. So uh, it's been a while. But anyways, Noel wrote to me in this email. Again, my email, Giselle at CrossYasPodcast.com. And Noel said this. Hey Giselle, long time listener, first time writing in. Just in case you wanted to take the pulse of a listener, I've usually got no idea who you're talking about, celebrities, bands, singers, music, and songs, etc. Because I'm completely oblivious of pop culture. This made me think, what about those listeners like me that don't follow pop culture? Here's an aging punk icon who in the last few years came out in public about how he feels. Fat Mike from the punk rock band NoFX. 
Thanks, Noel. Noel also sent me a bunch of articles, and I also looked up who Fat Mike is and how he relates to a cross-dressing-centered podcast, and this is what I found. So Fat Mike's real name is Michael John Burkett. He's the lead vocalist slash bassist of the punk rock band NoFX. He's 53 years old, and he's been public about his cross-dressing somewhere between 2014 and 2016. Now, if you're not too much into the punk scene, don't worry. I'm not that much of a fan either, but that's fine, because it's interesting to see how cross-dressing encompasses various different scenes. But it shouldn't be that surprising, because the punk scene and the punk rock scene, well, that's kind of what punk is. A quick search online finds that the punk subculture is largely characterized by anti-establishment views, the promotion of individual freedom, DIY ethics, and is centered on a loud, aggressive genre of rock music called punk rock. And that's what I think of when I hear someone talk about being punk or punk rock. And if there's anyone who embodies the idea of punk and punk rock, well, that's Fat Mike and NoFX. In 1994, when NoFX had one of their album's singles entitled Leave It Alone, and it got airplay on active rock stations, and if you're from LA, you know it's K-Rock, its music video never really received airplay on MTV. Fat Mike at the time had been quoted saying, We made the Leave It Alone video and we decided not to send it to MTV. We just didn't want to be part of that machine, of that punk wave. Which is crazy to think about it because some of the top bands at the time getting stuff released and hitting the mainstream were bands like The Offspring, Bad Religion, and Green Day. You guys know Green Day, right? That's right. So it's crazy, but it's not that crazy to think that what Fat Mike did is totally a punk thing to do. And it's totally a punk thing for Fat Mike to say, you know what? I don't want to do that. I don't want to be part of the system. And just do whatever the fuck you want, right? It's just fucking brilliant. So that's why learning about Fat Mike and him being so open as a crossdresser makes me kind of, I don't know, idolize the guy. Because talk about independence and staying true to yourself. For me, I don't know, if I was in his position, I probably would have sold out. Because Green Day and bands like The Offspring and Bad Religion, like, they've made so much money. But you know what? Actually, reading up about Fat Mike, he's pretty successful on his own. But you know what? Fat Mike could have done all that selling out, but he didn't. He stayed true to himself, and he's where he is today. As far as cross-dressing, well, here's Fat Mike on an interview back in 2015 on why he likes wearing women's clothes. So you ask me why I dress in women's clothes. Is it an SM thing? Or uh, am I trying to make a political statement? The truth is, I like to wear women's clothes sometimes. And uh, I feel like when I'm wearing women's clothes, I feel like a punk rocker again. I feel like someone could beat me up. But I don't know, women's clothes are cool. They're sexy, they're soft. Not as cotton can be so sweaty sometimes on stage. So uh, yeah, I'm not making a political statement other than it's fun to wear girls' clothes. But just because he's public about his cross-dressing doesn't mean he wasn't scared about coming out. He talked about it in an interview back in 2016 with the Nashville scene, and when he was asked about why he didn't come out sooner, he said this. The last thing we heard about cross-dressing was Marv Albert wearing panties. And he got crucified. And I didn't come out for years because my ex-wife told me I look stupid in girls' clothes. So it fucking destroyed me. And my new wife made me feel really beautiful and very comfortable wearing women's clothes, occasionally when it's fun. And that was really the greatest gift I could have ever gotten. That wife he married was Soma Snake Oil, a porn star who also enjoys his BDSM lifestyle. She was so comfortable with him wearing women's clothes that on New Year's Eve 2015, he wore a wedding dress while she wore a tuxedo 
during their wedding. It must be nice. It must be nice. But it's his own cross-dressing and that he's gone public with and making it his own is totally admirable. In 2018, he even released his own panty line for men under the company name Fatal Design, which Noelle, who wrote in, which she says the panties fit quite well. But what's even cooler about Fat Mike and NoFX is that they released a song back in 2016 called I'm a Transvest Light, which chronicles his cross-dressing throughout his life. Here's the lyrics and chorus of the song. I gotta confess that I like to cross-dress, and I've been doing it since I was 13. It's hard to tell bros that you wear women's clothes, even in the open-minded punk scene. You'd probably get hurt in heels and a skirt when you're in the middle of a circle pit. So I'd only wear women's panties under boxers to keep it all a secret. Now I'm telling everyone because it's fun and I don't give a shit. So props to Fat Mike for being a badass and being punk. And a big thank you to Noel for telling me about Fat Mike because I guess I would have never heard of him otherwise. And if you're not necessarily into pop culture like Noel, that's totally okay. Because you know what? Crossdressers don't have to be mainstream. Fat Mike is doing his own thing. And if you can take anything away from this, be yourself. Just be yourself and do whatever makes you happy. And if you have a platform to display your crossdressing or something that challenges gender identity, I think you should use it. I'm trying my best with this podcast to do so. And I hope if you have your own platform, you should do it too. But my yas of the week goes to Fat Mike and for everything he does for the cross-dressing community and the punk rock scene. Thanks, Fat Mike, and thanks, Noel. And that was the... Yes! ...of the week. As for the rest of this episode, I'll give you my talk about my love for Halloween, even with COVID times. And finally, at the end, you'll hear Sierra give you some interesting history in honor of October, which is LGBTQ History Month. This is the 66th episode. It's here, you guys. Enjoy. Alright, so Halloween falls on a Saturday this year, and unfortunately it does fall on a day that I work. Boo! You suck! But even so, Halloween is still my favorite holiday. So for all you newcomers to Halloween, if you didn't know already, I believe Halloween is the best holiday all year. Obviously I'm biased because Halloween was the first holiday that allowed Giselle to come out to the public for the first time, but whatever. Like, you know, whatever. With Halloween, you can dress however you want, and it's a time where you can go out to parties dressed as whatever you want. You can dress as a ghost, scary ghost, slutty ghost, basically all instances of a ghost that are out there. Bitch, I'm a ghost. Bitch, I'm a ghost. I go boo. But COVID has changed our lives forever this year, and that of course means it has affected Halloween. A risk activity. That's what the CDC is now calling trick-or-treating in new guidelines issued ahead of Halloween this year. The agency is now specifically discouraging the tradition of going door-to-door for candy. Because for myself, who has been very outgoing prior to COVID and loved displaying my slutty side, well, being out and around people was totally my thing. And it was Halloween that first let me be able to do that. I've talked about Halloween before and how one of my first ever times going out as Giselle was Halloween where I dressed like a slutty nurse. Yes, I know Halloween was a time where you could wear like a costume, like a pumpkin, ghost, or a witch, but for me, I guess I took it to the extreme before. And instead of wearing a basic costume, like, I don't know, a basic pumpkin or, or a ghost or a witch, like I didn't, want, I didn't want to be the same. I want to be different than everybody. So I wore club-like dresses or any skimpy outfit, like the slutty nurse, right? But the first time I dressed as one, I didn't dress like just any nurse. I wanted to be the sexy fantasy kind of nurse, like 
the time when we went to West Hollywood, I wore uh, my PVC looking dress with knee high boots with my white hosiery. And I even wore a fucking N95 mask because I don't know, I guess it helped the outfit. Yeah, sure. Whatever you say. Which is unrealistic when I think about it now, because I don't know, like when I wore a short mini almost PVC nurse like dress, I thought, and this was way before I became a registered nurse, like how unrealistic was that? Like sometimes I think about wearing that to work and I'd probably be fired in a heartbeat. You're fired. But that's the thing about Halloween is you can be in your own fantasy and be whomever you want or whatever you want, even for just one night. Well, I'm 32 now and I've done my fair share of Halloween trips dressed as a girl, mostly displaying myself wearing short skimpy stuff, but I don't know, I'm just so different now. And I'm sure it's a combination of age and COVID that has got me feeling this way, feeling ambivalent about the holiday and just having all these mixed feelings. But Halloween this year is just different. I don't know, it just feels, I don't know, like not Halloween. Already certain cities in the U.S. are canceling Halloween with no trick-or-treating mandates because they don't want to risk catching COVID. But it's like, damn, I know that's super important. But, you know, as a kid, that's what Halloween was. Quintessentially, as a kid, Halloween boiled down to trick-or-treating. You'd go house to house asking for candy and you'd get it. But as I got older and Halloween passed throughout the years, you know, myself, um, I struggled through puberty, being, you know, hormones as a horny teenager with Giselle on the back burner and then becoming an adult. I really learned that, you know what? Halloween is more than a holiday. It actually allowed me to be myself and allowed myself to embrace Giselle. So for you newbies out there and new to the Halloween scene, I highly recommend you explore your fantasy selves during Halloween because for me, that's what I did and when I first started dressing up and I don't know, it's helped me a lot. Halloween allows you to wear whatever you want and you know, if you want to pretend, you can just say that you're trying to pass it off as a costume if you'd like. But doing that for me, well, I realized, you know what? This is more than just a fantasy because I realized this is another side of me that I want to love and I should nurture. Granted, again, COVID has made it quite more difficult for me to dress up because, of course, again, I want to show Giselle to the public, but I know that stupid virus is out there, and I don't know, just being Giselle and wearing a mask, I don't know, it's just it's too difficult. But hopefully post-COVID, Giselle in public will make a roaring comeback. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. So I suggest for the first-time Halloween people, dress the way you want to and maybe use Halloween as your first time ever to express the way you want to express be it in a dress, or be it as a sexy pumpkin, or scary witch, or whatever. But do you, and do whatever you want, even if it's in the confines of your own home. I do feel bad for people who aren't able to go out, because when I think Halloween, I think, again, trick-or-treating, and going out with friends and family, and going out to parties, but damn it, I don't know, COVID sure has put a damper to that. So, again, I don't know where I'm going with these Halloween rants, and I don't know where I go with a lot of my rants, but... I just hope that you, the Cross Yas listener, are able to be yourself, even if it's just for one night. And if Halloween is the only day you can do that, well, hey, be the person you want to be. Allow yourself to embrace the Halloween tradition of wearing a costume, and if you find yourself enjoying it for more than one night a year, well, continue doing that. And I'm here, come back on the podcast every week where I'll try to talk about something cross-dressing, gender, or sexuality related. Because I love you and I want to help you understand that the world of gender, well, it's a beautiful one. You think that no one understands you? Well, I'm going to try my best to do that and make you realize that's not true. 
But that's all. That's my Halloween rant. And uh, stay tuned for Sierra as she talks about some interesting topics for LGBTQ History Month that you may not necessarily know. Thanks, guys. Love you. And it's now time for everyone's favorite segment, Sierra Says. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Sierra Says. Surely you're familiar with the mythology and the cultural iconography of the American West, even well outside the United States. The idea of the Western American frontier and the Old West from the time of around the gold rush to the turn of the 20th century is just steeped in mythology and lives in the imaginations of millions and millions of people. However, this mythology that we see now skews in a couple of different directions. It skews very white, it skews very male, and in particular, the version of maleness that is so commonly associated with the American West is the rugged, masculine, individualistic cowboy. But did you know that at one point, one of the most iconic and widely shared images of a California gold miner was actually one of a crossdresser? And did you know that cross-dressing and gender nonconformity were actually very common in the Old West, as is evidenced by the fact that newspapers published in the Old West contained stories of hundreds of cross-dressing Westerners? And why, after all of this, has this history largely been erased from the common narrative about the American West that we know today? So in recognition of LGBTQ History Month, yes, October, we're now going to take a look at how the actual history of gender expression completely challenges the white heteronormative narrative of the development and the settlement of the American West. In particular, I'd like to mention two books that I strongly recommend reading. I have read through one of them uh, to a certain extent already, still working on it. The second I am super excited to get into as soon as it arrives. The first one I wanted to mention is written by Peter Bogue, and the book is called Redressing America's Frontier Past. And it takes a very deep dive into the stories of crossdressers living in the frontier West, as well as explores the social and cultural dimensions and the role that crossdressing played for many people. It is a very well-researched book. The author, Peter Bogue, is a historian. He dove deep into the archives of newspapers from around the West to really learn more about a history that has been glossed over and in some cases even actively erased. So what exactly did cross-dressing look like and what was its role in the society of America's frontier? Bogue states that some people cross-dressed for practical purposes first and foremost, changing one's identity for any reason why someone would do that, traveling more safely, uh, some people found it easier to travel when presenting as male, and sometimes even escaping prosecution. Keep in mind that this was a time when one could truly reinvent oneself by moving sometimes not even very great a distance. There is no sort of centralized identity tracking system, any kind of database, so one could just pick up, move to another town, change their name, and begin another life. Cross-dressing was used for this purpose, but Bogue also argues that many people who cross-dressed at this time did so to express what we now understand to be a transgender identity. There are some difficulties with this, and Bogue dives into the fact that at that time, the idea of transgender, or the word transgender, did not even exist. It was a term that really only emerged around the middle of the 20th century. Really, the entire vocabulary that we use to talk about issues related to gender and sexuality did not exist at that time. We did not have categories into which we grouped people like heterosexual or homosexual or transgendered, cisgendered. 
So the terminology that came about were terms like sexual inversion, which referred to people who essentially today we would say express their gender identity in a way that just differs from the sex that they were assigned at birth. So kind of similar to some definitions that we use today. But it's important to keep in mind that everything was framed differently, not only in the discourse, but also in people's minds. And I found it very interesting that as a result of this evolving discourse, the evolving terminology, the term that Bogue used most frequently for discussing the kinds of gender expression that we saw at that time was in fact cross-dressing, because it did not necessarily imply any motive, it was just the action itself. And that was inclusive then of people who would cross-dress for some of the practical purposes that I mentioned, as well as those who would today probably fall within the transgender umbrella. Given that the author of this book relied heavily upon research within newspaper archives, one other very compelling part of this book is that you just get to hear the stories of cross-dressers who lived at that time and carved out lives for themselves in really complicated and challenging circumstances. I'd like to go through just a couple of these right now that are really fun examples. One really great example of this is the story of Charlie Parkhurst. Charlie Parkhurst was born and raised as a woman in Vermont, but in the process of moving to California, decided to start presenting as male. As he settled in California and built a career, he ended up actually building a reputation as being one of the most skilled stagecoach drivers in the state, running routes connecting many of the state's coastal and mining communities. So I just think that's very interesting and very compelling that here we have a crossdresser or someone who we would probably assume today to be transgender, entering a very male-dominated profession, and being regarded as one of the most skilled practitioners of that profession in all of California at that time. Another common element that you see in the stories of many crossdressers at this time is that the sex that they were assigned at birth often remained completely hidden and a secret up until death. And this was the case with Charlie Parkhurst. I'd like to read an inscription from a plaque that was posted outside the fire station in Soquel, California. Keep in mind that this plaque has a lot of misgendering going on and is um, a little bit transmisogynistic, but it's nonetheless pretty significant. I quote, The first ballot by a woman in an American presidential election was cast on this site in November 3rd, 1868 by Charlotte, or Charlie, Parkhurst, who masqueraded as a man for most of her life. She was a stagecoach driver in the motherlode country during the gold rush days and shot and killed at least one bandit. In her later years, she drove a stagecoach in this area. She died in 1879. Not until then was she found to be female. She is buried in Watsonville at the Pioneer Cemetery, unquote. So like I said, a lot of misgendering going on there, but sure enough, this really speaks to the role that crossdressers played in society at this time. There is even still the idea that California is kind of a place you can go to reinvent yourself. And this was certainly true among people who we would now think to be transgender in California at that time, the time of the gold rush, particularly in gold country or the mother lotus, it's called. Another very compelling story presented in this book is that of a woman known as Mrs. Nash. She was known to have been assigned male at birth and she was born in Mexico. And it's also generally understood that she had a family and two children who both passed away very young, after which she decided to come to the United States presenting as female. She was, again, assigned male at birth and came through New Mexico up the Santa Fe Trail 
and found a position not long thereafter working as a laundress with the United States Army. She was known to do excellent work, and not only as a laundress, but also as a seamstress and a cook. And that work quickly brought her into the upper echelons of the military or the army at that time. And in the process, she befriended the Custers, General George Custer, as well as particularly Libby Custer, General Custer's wife. And over time, as she went through her career with the U.S. Army, she married at least three men, bringing with her considerable wealth and savings from her work in the Army. She actually earned more in her work than many male soldiers. And once again, we have a situation where only after her death was the fact that she was assigned male at birth discovered. While many people reported to be very shocked by this, her friend Libby Custer was about as gracious as you could expect someone to be in these situations, especially for that time. And this is again yet another compelling story of how someone reinvented themselves in the way that we do understand that people did oftentimes on the frontier of the American West, but in ways that we seldom discuss because gender identity and expression are just not part of that narrative and just not part of that conversation. I've just talked through a couple of many compelling and really, really, really engaging stories contained within this book. And I also recommend this read because the book dives significantly into the broader implications of all of this and into how we can better understand gender and sexuality today in the context of how it was understood previously. What I find so interesting, though, is despite the fact that crossdressers clearly were central figures in the development of the American West, the ideas such as the development of the modern understanding of gender and sexuality, as well as the closing of the frontier, or the idea that the United States has occupied all the territory in the West that we can possibly occupy, essentially forced cross-dressers outside the narrative that we now understand for the American West. And the ultimate takeaway, I think, from this, beyond just the fact that these are very interesting and compelling stories and things that just blew my mind and made me reimagine this region that I've called home, is the fact that we absolutely must view the history of this region of the country with more nuance. That's a story for another day. But again, I strongly do recommend that book. Once again, it is Peter Bogue's Redressing America's Frontier Past. I also recommend another read that specifically deals with how cross-dressing was perceived in one of the major cities in the American West at that time, San Francisco. Claire Sears wrote the book Arresting Dress, Cross-dressing Law, and Fascination in 19th Century San Francisco. Cross-dressing was popular enough and present enough in the California Gold Rush that the city of San Francisco, being the metropolitan center of the mining industry, decided to, in the late 1800s, outlaw cross-dressing, and the resulting conversations that happened around that, the experiences that people who lived in and around San Francisco, who were gender variant or do cross-dress, are very compelling as well. And I've taken a quick look at that book enough to know that I would strongly recommend reading it. And between these two books, I think there is so much interesting information about a really, really fascinating part of LGBTQ history that is being rescued from history thanks to the scholars who are putting together these works. Finally, I wanted to offer just one personal thought about why I related to this so much and why I found these stories to be so interesting. When I was getting started with cross-dressing, I didn't feel comfortable doing so in my own home. And one place that I went to do that was a place that is essentially on 
the frontier of population. I've been for a little while now restoring a little cabin truly on the edge of the wilderness in the desert in Southern California. And for me, that was my place where I could go to the frontier and discover myself and live without judgment and just work on trying to be myself and figure out who that was. So I can relate to the impulse and the opportunity that is presented by an open frontier like this, by a place where you can reinvent yourself. In that sense, it's just so logical that we would see this happening, that we would see people going to the American West and going to the frontier as a way of reinventing themselves. So even though that flies in the face of the narrative that we've been told about the American West for so long, it really makes sense. And also, it's just what we actually see in history. And that's how Sierra sees it. And finally, the miscellany. Yes! And that's it for this week, guys. Again, I forgot to mention my question of the month, but for you guys who want to answer it, please answer it. Uh, the question of the month is, what is your style? What style do you rock? I'll give you my answer next month, and I hope to hear from you all. Email me, Giselle, at crossyaspodcast.com. Tweet me again, at crossyas, or DM me on Instagram, at crossyaspodcast. Uh, you guys heard me in this episode talk about Fat Mike as my yas of the week. You'll also heard me talk about Halloween and how I love Halloween so much, even with COVID times. And finally, you heard Sierra talk about an interesting topic that you guys may not have understood about LGBTQ history. And it being October, it's LGBTQ History Month. So hope you guys found her side of the story very interesting. That's it for this week, guys. Um, Stay tuned for Saturday, uh, where I'm going to upload my uh, first part of my talk with Maria, a cross-dresser from the great state of New York. She brings up some interesting stuff that I'm sure you guys would love to hear. The second part will be up next week on Halloweens. Look forward to that. Again, love you guys. Thank you so much for your support. Check out the Patreon. Check out our website. And yeah, as always, I love you guys. And keep it fresh. Stay blessed. And remember, you're gorgeous. Again, guys, I'm not here to diagnose or treat anything. I'm just here to share my story. Have others come on the podcast to share their story to help you learn about the world of cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender a bit more. Thank you.